Welcome to Daily Kosa's The Brief, our weekly show about politics. Here, we'll discuss the issues that are driving the news as we fight for a more progressive America. I am Marcos Molitsis, the founder of Daily Kos and your co-host, along with senior political writer Carrie Eleveld. If you want to join the conversation, we record the podcast live on YouTube and Facebook every Tuesday at 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Coast The Brief. It's our weekly show about politics. I'm Marcos Molitsis. I am here with Carrie Eleveld, and today we are going to be talking about abortion, how the, the debate is shaping up, and what it means for the 2022 election. Our guest tonight, tonight, our guest in 15 minutes will be Christina Reynolds. I've got a little bit of allergies, maybe a cold, but our guest today will be Christina Reynolds. She is VP of Communications at Emily's List. Emily's List is an organization that, that recruits and supports pro-choice women running for office. Emily's List, NARAL, and Planned Parenthood have announced a $150 million program to center abortion rights in this November's election. So we'll be talking about that and how that debate is shaping up. Because, Carrie, they made that announcement before the draft leak. That's right. That's right. I remember you dropping it in the channel and I thought, well, that's interesting. And then the and then the draft leak happens and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I mean, whoa. So, so they were already they were already planning a huge investment, which obviously we will be uh, asking Christina about. Yeah, I mean, they knew that that Roe was going to get axed in June. Right. But did they foresee this kind of fury, this response that we're seeing? It's really energizing. Um, the uh, progressive base in a way that that I hope portrays good things for November. As people realize this is it, we we do we are in the minority. We're back to being the resistance in right. some ways. And the reason the party in power loses midterm elections is because there's a sense of complacency and oh, we won and now we're, we got what we wanted, and and throw in some sort of a disgust at not getting everything that was promised because. You know, everybody promises things they cannot deliver. I get the feeling now. The feeling is, yeah, you know what? We're still in the minority because that Supreme Court was stolen. It's illegitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, it is um, it is trampling on our cherished rights. And what can we do about it? And that's, I think, what this debate's going to be. Right now, people are angry. There's going to have to be a shift. And Karen, you've been covering this abortion rights issue, I was going to say religiously, but you, like single focus. Single since focus grab- since it since it happened. I mean, I don't want to take any way for, anything away from the reproductive rights uh, journalists who have been covering this year in and year out. But right, but what? But to your point, since since this news dropped last Tuesday, I've been like studying everything that's been happening, trying to figure out, um, you know, everything from. How are Democrats going to use this? Are they going to use it? Um, you know, where is the White House? Where is the Senate? Where are House Democrats? What's the electorate think? How does it feel about what happened? You know, are we seeing any notes of changes in terms of this sort of resetting the table a little bit on on what might be prioritized by voters in November? I mean, there's there's just a whole slew of things happening. So I've been really paying attention to that. And just to give you just to give you a a, a, um, a little bit of insight, because we do have a little bit of polling to work with. Right. But a little bit of insight into what a jolt this is to the elect electorate. CBS News, um, YouGov 
did a poll, released a poll on Monday, I think. And it was taken the three days following the news that this uh, draft leak was, you know, that was going to destroy Roe, overturn it. And, you know, it's no surprise that they found like, I can't remember, they found like 60% or something, 65% of people don't think Roe should be overturned. That wasn't a surprise. But fully 50% of Roe supporters uh, said they were surprised. So, right. So 50, this is, this is a shock to 50% of Roe supporters. They did not see it coming. And some people, you know, people who like spend their whole lives doing politics are like, how can you not see this coming? But, you know, there's other, other people have different lives. They don't spend all their time thinking about the Supreme court and what, you know, think, you know, what it's going to do. They just kind of considered this settle law. So that's a shock. Now, on top of that, and I thought this was really interesting, among those who wanted Roe left in place, Roe v. Wade, 70% said they felt discouraged. 68% said they felt angry. 61% said they were scared. And 50%, as I said, said they felt surprised. So that is that is people just kind of coming to grips with, oh my God, this is really happening. Um, and I think we're starting to see that in other places too. I don't, we don't know yet where this is going, you know, how, exactly how this is going to influence the election. But I tell you what, you know, I just, I think on a personal level, people are trying to figure out what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my family? If I have <coughs> kids, if I have daughters, what does it mean for them? And then there's people like me, I got married to my wife in 2017. Like, what does it mean for us, frankly? You know, I, I'd been thinking about this purely in terms of abortion. And a good friend of mine said to me, well, it's been nice uh, being married to my partner for the last several years. And I was yeah, like, it's important to, right. note, to reiterate. We, had, we, we talked about this decision last week's episode and we talked to Christine Pelosi about it. And she really sort of spoke about the anger of the moment, right? She wasn't quite ready to talk about the political impact. And I think most people are not. So the we it's easy to forget that the draft opinion just came out eight days ago. I mean, it feels yeah. like a lifetime, right? But no, it's eight days ago. And so the the machinery of is just sort of moving into place and people are realizing. And, and there might have even been, for, for people who are sort of just tangentially aware of politics, it might have even been like a the boy who cried wolf. Oh, you always tell us that Republicans wanna wanna destroy choice. And we, we could say like they, they literally are, they're chipping away at the rights. They haven't banned it, but they've chipped, 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 chipped away. But they're like, ah no, you keep saying that they're gonna ban abortion and, and they've never done it. And now suddenly it's like and so that's gonna take a little bit of time to seep into the, you know, how people feel about the, the coming um, election and a lot of it will depend on how leaders step up to the plate and channel that rage and that anger and that sorrow that you just that you just talked about for sure. So it's it's we're on sort of the beginning we're on the precipice of something major something's happening here I can I can sense it and uh, and like I said it feels like shit we're, we're on the we're on under assault again. Like and so it's important to note what you just said, Carrie, that this is not just about abortion. And I don't want to I don't want to minimize that part because this is massive. But Alito's draft opinion directly took aim at gay rights. It directly 
directly assaulted the underpinnings of decisions on interracial marriage and contraception. And he literally said that it wasn't the right because it wasn't the right when the founding fathers wrote the Constitution. And really, the only people that had rights back then were white male property owners. That's not a lot of us. So there is a lot at stake. And there's a very good chance that the final decision may water down some of those some of those passages. But now we know. We some know of those, what they want to do because they those, have. Right. Yeah. Rank impulses of Justice Samuel Alito and, and the five votes who, you know, who were who voted to overturn. Yeah. So now they may want to water. They may want to hide that that agenda, that broader agenda. You know, oh, don't don't mention gay marriage and anti-sodomy laws. Don't mention that because, you know, we'll do that more quietly. You know, right. But now we know the, the gig is up. We've seen it. And this is, to me, the conservative blueprint for what they want America to look like. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it, what it, what they want America to look like is minority rule. That's exactly what they want America to look like. So, you know, I think it's worse. So before we have I, mean, I, I know we're going to bring Christina in soon and she's going to, you know, really uh, read us in on what they're thinking and what they plan to do and what they're seeing in their polling, et cetera. But um, I think it's worth thinking about, okay, so we don't know exactly where the electorate's going to fall yet. But part of that is, as you said, how the party channels the energy, right? How the Democratic Party channels the energy. And so I've been looking for signs about how the Democratic Party is going to panel that energy or channel that energy. And, um, and you know, I, I'm given... Democrats right now a C, which is not failing, but not great. And and the the branches aren't uh, completely equal either. So I just want to give a sense. I think House, okay, from what I've read and what I've seen and lots of different stuff, right? This is what I do for a living is try to figure out what the heck are they thinking in the, you know, in the hallowed halls there. So House Democrats seem at pains to figure out how to deal with this. They, they seem very much sort of, they, they know it's a big deal. I think that, I think they're, um, starting to work up to something, you know, you heard Christine Pelosi last week and we can't, you know, it's Christine Pelosi, but you got to know that she knows what the speaker's thinking is. Right. And, um, and she said, I asked her if Democrats were ready for this. And she said, I think the democratic base is ready for this. I think the American public was ready for this. And I think Democrats will rise to the moment. Okay. And that to me was a serious signal that she thought this really needed to be ground up and that it wasn't like House Democrats were raring to get going on this. I think they're still really focused on pocketbook issues and don't want to get too far away from that. Over in the Senate, it is clear to me that Senate Democrats realize what a big fucking deal this is and that people are pissed off and they're going to channel that energy. And part of it is, is that several of those Democrats uh, ran for president and they now have big bullhorns, big platforms, and they're using it to make themselves felt. And I think of Elizabeth Warren. I think of Kirsten Gillibrand. I think of Amy Klobuchar. I mean, so we're going to play Kirsten Gillibrand in a second because she gave a very fiery speech that gives you a sense of how Senate Democrats are handling this. Chuck Schumer has scheduled a vote on codifying Roe into law. I think it's supposed to happen tomorrow. So, and- so since this, the podcast posts on Wednesday, so it'll be today if you're listening, tomorrow if you're watching. 
Yes, exactly. So, Wednesday. so Wednesday, Wednesday, right? Let me be specific. But the point is, is that to, to get everybody on the record, do you support Roe or don't you? Right? You have to vote. Let's get you on record. So uh, there's that, right? Um, the Amy Klobuchar, I want to give her some credit. She's on the Sunday shows, and she says, you know, this is a question about whether this is a decision that should be made between you and your doctor or. Ted Cruz. Is Ted Cruz going to be deciding your healthcare decisions? And I was thinking, way to pull out the like most <laughs> loathsome character in Congress and have millions of American women, their head just blowing up thinking of Ted Cruz deciding what their, you know, healthcare decisions were going to be. Because I was like, ew, Ted Cruz, are you kidding me? Like the worst of the worst. So let's give her some credit. But then there's Senator Jill Brand and she gave a fiery speech. And I just want to give it, this is going to take a minute, but I just want to give our listeners a sense of, of how she was channeling that energy. Uh, Walter, can we bring that in? I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. Imagine you do not have authority over your own body for 10 months. Imagine if that decision making would not be taken away, even if you would die in childbirth, even if you couldn't decide who you were having children with, even if you couldn't decide when you were having that child. I don't think a man in America could actually imagine not having control of his body, his bodily functions, what happens to him, and what life would be like for 10 months. It is an outrage that we have five justices on the Supreme Court who lied, lied in their confirmation hearings in order to be confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. All I can say to that is amen. Right. Yeah, she, um, she's, she's right. I, I, I can't even imagine it. Yeah. I tell you, I mean, I haven't been pregnant. My wife has. And the the level of vulnerability that you feel when you are pregnant is just off the charts. And the idea that you wouldn't be able to make decisions about how to work with that pregnancy, what you're going to do about it, you know, life altering decisions about not only having the child, but if there's some horrific ab abnormality, like if you, you know, that could endanger your life, et cetera. I mean, just can't, I just can't even imagine, but that's how extreme the Republican party is. They don't want people to be able to make their own decisions. They want to be dictating in your bedroom in your, you know, in your life, what you're going to be doing with your own body, your own health care. Now, let's move on just a second to the White House. Um, I think the White House is still grappling with what do we do with this? And in, the, in fairness to the White House, the decision hasn't dropped yet, right? What we, what we have is a leaked draft that has been verified as a leaked draft. And, you know, I think it's hard for a president to come out and like give a full throated speech on something that hasn't actually come to fruition yet in terms of a, another branch of government. Right. But they, they, they have signaled that they're going to be ready, that they're talking about it. And what I would like to see is. I want them to be ready on the day that that happens. And we they talked to Brian, be. yeah, Brian yeah. Fallon at one point, yeah. and he said, look, there's a long history of presidents going after rogue, you know, fringe Supreme Courts. And I hope that Joe Biden is ready to feel the empathy that we know he is capable of for exactly what Kirsten Gillibrand was talking about. But today, he, right now, they want to talk about pocketbook issues. They want to talk about economics. And I'll give, the, I'll give the White House credit for this. 
What they did today that he had a speech uh, today, which is Tuesday, they had a, he had a speech where he went through his economic agenda and compared it to the 11 point plan that Rick Scott put out, who is the chair of the uh, Senate GOP campaign arm. Right. That was an 11 point plan that was going to raise that would raise taxes on around 100 million Americans, mostly of people who can't afford it, working class, middle class Americans. And also sunset measures uh, like Medicare and Social Security and whatever. I mean, it's just like, yeah, this they, is they, just they put this on paper. <laughs> they put it on paper. This is just, I mean, it is just it's draconian. And I, I think that like reporters in Washington haven't been taking it like super seriously because they're like, well, it's not Mitch McConnell that did it. It's, you know, the Senate GOP campaign chief, um, yeah. you know, like he's got no power. But like McConnell hasn't put anything out. So you know what? This is the fucking de facto GOP plan. Sorry, I'm a little fired up here. Let's hit uh, Joe Biden today. He's asked about abortion at this um, economic uh, speech that he gives, and I just wish he'd been a little bit more forward on it. Trump's China do you support any restrictions on abortion, or what limits do you believe there should be? As, as the because I don't I want the story to be about inflation. Actually. Carrie, let's use that as a good uh, lead in to bring on our guest. She is Christina Reynolds. She is the VP of communications at Emily's List. Early money is like yeast. It makes a dough rise. Emily's List promotes women, pro-choice candidates, recruits them, supports them, does amazing work. One of my favorite organizations. Christina, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I, I, I'm thrilled to be with you, although, Carrie, that Ted Cruz line has really thrown me. So um, I right? I, I'm not emotionally prepared here, but but I am thrilled to be with you and um, ready to ready to, to get in here. And, and I am as fired up as, as Carrie was a second ago. So ready to get into it. All right. Great. Well, listen, let's let's start with this um, $150 million investment that you guys have pledged to make. And what Marcos and I noted at the beginning was you guys released or at least the first report I had seen on it was came out just several days before the leaked draft opinion dropped right so you guys were already yeah it was the same day um I think <laughs> last week was like a year right um <laughs> yes, we were um you know I, I will tell you not to speak too much about our internal internal plottings and whatnot but um, oh no no speak too much about speak, it speak too much about it got it um we have been we have we have known for a while that this was going to be an issue that mattered in the election. We know very clearly where voters are on this. And contrary to what I would argue some of the media tends to, you know, the way they tend to treat the issue and contrary to the way the, the way the Republicans govern, voters are very clear. They are with us on this. And voters are very clear that they support Roe. They support the legal right to an abortion. And they are they do not like to see their rights taken away. And so we knew this would be an issue in the election. To be quite honest, we thought that we were going to face a, a challenge of a few months having to convince voters that this right was was truly at risk. And the Supreme Court 
in that leaked memo just did our did that job for us and it is the ramifications and the po- uh, the policy ramifications are tragic they are devastating and and listen i am so grateful for all of our allies who work in this space to you know the abortion funds and and all of the groups that are working to get the people who need abortions to get them that care um, my work is electoral and so we are we are in it to say okay you're going to pay for taking away our rights right you're going to um, we're going to replace you um, with people who will protect our rights, who will ensure that Ted Cruz doesn't. I mean, I'm going to use that from here on out. <laughs> that Ted Cruz doesn't make those decisions. That government is not taking away our freedom to decide our future, our family, our health care, any of those things. Um, it's it's really very simple, and um, we are we're in the right place, and we're in the place you know the place where voters are. And so we knew this was going to be an issue. We've been working together that that I should say that 150 million is not just us. That is NARAL and Planned Parenthood as well, Action Fund as well. And we announced that we were going to be doing this and that will come in a number of forms, right? Public education campaigns, talking to voters about what this is, helping train, you know, candidates at all levels, because and I know you all talk about this a lot. All of the levels matter, right? State, we've never seen, I've, you know, it's been a while since we've had such a clear example of why your state legislature matters, right? Why your attorneys, you know, why the attorneys general matter, um, why it matters who's in the governor's office and so on and so forth. And so we are focused on, on all of those levels. How do we get our candidates ready to respond? How do we get out there and make sure that people know what's happening? And so we had, we had prepared that, we had announced it, and then surprise. The Supreme Court, you know, we we had this announcement that was, as you know, later confirmed by John Roberts that it was, in fact, a draft opinion. And again, it's devastating news, but it it, it puts some clarity on what we have to do here, right? And and I think and hope that it puts some clarity for voters on who's on their side and who's not. And you know, we've seen Republicans back that up, right? They are going even further than we than we thought they would. Mitch McConnell acknowledged. That a that a national abortion ban is possible if they take control of, of Congress. We've seen in state legislatures um, and and federal candidates offer more and more extreme positions, and we're going to highlight that for voters. We're going to make sure that that doesn't stay under the radar, but that they have to have to um, answer for those positions. So you say 150 million dollars was you know you thought you would have to spend some of that money spending a couple of months convincing mm-hmm. people that this was something to actually that that was something to worry about. Sure. What we've seen with one we've gained the month in general, but it's 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 hit like a like a sledgehammer. Yes. To the point where early I, I think you hadn't you hadn't gone into the green room yet, but I talked about how it almost feels like it almost feels like 2017 when we were in the minority and we were the resistance. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's energizing, right? Being yes. the one whose rights are being taken away, who's under assault is energizing. And in a midterm election where base energy is the whole game, is there any sense that, okay, well, maybe we're not going to need to spend some money on convincing people this matters. And maybe we might even have more resources to throw at this thing because people are fired up. I think it's still early. Um, it, although it feels like a year, it has only been a week. So we're, um, you know, I think we'll see. I will say this. I, I think there's a lot going on in the world. And while the three of us and, and all the people that we work with are focused on this sort of thing every day, a lot of voters aren't. 
right? And so we we want to make sure that a couple things happen there. And I think this will still require a big investment. Um, we want to make sure that this issue doesn't leave the headlines and then leave people's minds, right? That it is still top of mind, even in the face of, and, and when I say top of mind, look, there's a lot of things that are top of mind. My boss, LaFonza Butler, likes to say you voters vote with their whole selves. So we're not saying this is going to be the only issue people vote on. We're not saying it's going to be the only point of concern, but we are saying it is going to be a driver of vote and it's going to be a driver of that base that you were talking about, Marcos. And, and um, But I think we need to make sure that they know that and we need to make sure that people understand where Republicans truly stand. Because the, the interesting thing, McConnell said the quiet part out loud this week, but you know, last week in the leak, what I noticed was every Democrat coming out and saying, this is wrong, here's what we should do, so on and so forth. And every Republican talking about either running the other way or talking about the egregiousness of the leak, right? And the sanctity of the Supreme Court opinions and, you know, being private and all of that. And we would be celebrating if the decision was in our favor. That's I mean, that tells you right there that's that they know they're they're the, they know they're on the wrong side for sure. And so what we are going to make sure that people know is where they've stood, how they've gotten us here, you know, how they have followed their party to all of the extreme lengths and what's going to happen if they take charge. So that's I think that's still going to work. You know, I'm sure, you know, our, our development people and, and all of them wish that it would you know be an easier fight. Um, but I think that will still require some work. And we're here to do it because we know it matters. I think you're going to I mean, I personally so I, I was like deeply involved in covering the uh, marriage equality movement, the LGBTQ mm-hmm. movement from from around 2005, 2006 to around 2015. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think there's going to be a lot of earned media that you guys are going to get help in terms of you said keeping this in the headlines, keeping yep. it on voters radar. Right. That once this happens, there's going to be all this reporting about how this affects individual people. Um, it's one thing the the media is really good at. They're terrible at political and the prognosticating and analysis and stuff like that. But they're good at human interest stories. So I, I hope what we're going to see is a, a lot of story, good stories. Well, they're going to be heartbreaking stories right. about yes. people being prosecuted people being, you know, people potentially, you know, losing their lives because of this or being forced to carry, you know, stillbirth, stillbirth uh, children to, to term and things like that. There's going to be heart-wrenching stories. Then there's going to be all of these legal appeals that are going to happen. I wonder if you're, if you're um, focused, you know, when you say keeping it in the headlines, how you plan to go about doing that, I think you're going to have some help. And I'm wondering how you plan to sort of augment uh, that, that uh, proposition. Well, I think one of the things that, that we like to do from Emily's list is talk about the, the success stories and where electing the Democratic pro-choice women matters, right? Where it can make a difference. And we've seen, you know, in recent days, for example, Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, who announced that she would not prosecute if, you know, if this is overturned and Michigan is stuck with its, with with the law that is currently on the books. We've seen uh, New, New York Attorney General Tish James 
Williams talk about wanting to create a safe haven um, for what, you know, and a fund for people who have to travel to get abortions and so that New York can be a place where they can go if they need to. We want to keep highlighting those why, you know, why it matters to that, that your elected officials matter too, right? Um, again, grateful for the work of all the providers and all the people who are working to ensure that people who need this care can get it. But I think our point is we can also make changes electorally. And however many bad votes are happening right now, there are some good votes. There are places like Colorado, where a Democratic governor signed, you know, and, and New Mexico, where Democratic governors have signed what Democratic legislature has passed. And, and each of those elections matter. In North Carolina, my, where I am right now, we have a Democratic governor, but a Republican legislature, but we broke the supermajority in the legislature a couple cycles ago. And what that means is when Governor Cooper vetoes a bad restriction, the legislature is able to uphold that veto. And so we will continue to highlight any place where that happens. And I got to say, because I am a former opposition researcher, we are going to continue to shine a spotlight on what the Republicans are doing. You know, every time one of them proposes a national abortion ban, every time someone says that, hey, maybe we'll consider contraception as the next step of what we're going to ban, or that it should only be available to married couples or so on. These are actual things that Republicans have said, and we're going to continue shining a light on that so people know what's truly at stake here. Can you say a little bit about the states that you will be targeting with this with this campaign? We, we've talked about a lot of the battleground, and it, it's, it's the same 2020 battleground, so <laughs> it's probably the same state, but can you talk a little bit about what you will be focusing on? Sure. And and what I will say is we've talked about some states. They're not it's not the final list of states. Right. As as, as you all know very well, campaigns evolve, things change um, and we'll keep looking at that and adding to we are looking in particular at states where we have Democratic governors that we want to protect and or have Democrat, you know, Republican governors we want to flip. We're looking at some of those, obviously keeping the Senate and and ideally growing that pro-choice majority, keeping that the house these things are really important so we'll be you all know this you know it's it's the states that you know and we'll be looking at those places like georgia places like michigan you know places like arizona these are places that we'll be looking at and and we'll be building that out as we go you know what's what's amazing about that is when i was looking so your list you know your list is is <laughs> the list that we keep talking about of battlegrounds right i mean uh, but when i was looking at um at, at the places where laws are going to be contested okay so there's there's a group of like deep deep red states where mm-hmm. there's going to be immediate trigger laws right that really democrats have little chance of of making a difference there right but then there's there's literally like the battleground states for abortion where if you have a Democratic governor, they can veto the worst of the GOP-led state legislature mm-hmm. instincts, you know, where there may be a law on the books, you know, from like 1931, which is the case in, case in Michigan, or or the state legislature is on the verge of passing something and will pass more like in Pennsylvania. So, um, so I was looking at those states and I was like, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, mm-hmm. Florida. North Carolina. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is the the battleground of abortion is literally the battleground states that you guys listed and Mm -hmm. that we've been talking about this whole time. It's really amazing. The overlap. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. You know, and that's, and that's part of why we do the work that we do and part of why we're focused on it. Cause we have seen that one, one elected official in some cases can stand in the way of truly bad legislation and, or in some cases can result in good legislation. We've seen in New Mexico, Emily's List worked hard to, to make sure that they had a pro-choice majority because they had a Democratic majority, but it wasn't pro-choice. Uh, and so looking at that, looking at those races, making sure that Jen Jordan wins in, you know, as a, as attorney general in Georgia and was obviously Stacey Abrams, right? Like how, what a big difference that would make for people in that state. It's, the same in Michigan. You know, Virginia is a good example of a place where you can see we lost the governorship and and we lost the majority in the in the house. But that Senate is holding strong. You know, thank goodness, Louise Lucas and, and, and the Democratic senators there are holding the line and have ensured that the protections stay where they are. That's the sort of thing where you look and race by race, we got to pay attention. And, and I am I am so grateful because you all have have focused on state legislatures for a long time at Daily Coast. And, you know, not everyone has. And um, and it's so important. And I hope that everyone, you know, watching or listening will go and look, who is my state legislator? What is my state legislature doing? Is there a way I can help? Or we'll plug into other places because all of it, ma- you know, it's 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 daunting, right, to say all of it matters, but it kind of does. So that's that's where we are. We're going to try and be in all of those battleground states and and look up and down the ballot because up and down the ballot really matters. Yeah, no, it's it's all everything matters, and every election is the most important election of our lifetime. <laughs> that's sort of, that's the, uh, the truism. I know. So, Christina, you saw the clip of of Joe Biden, you know, right before you yeah. came on, where he was like, "I don't want to talk about that just yet," and he was obviously trying to keep the focus on on the pocketbook issues. You know, Democrats are so you know, presumably it matters. But um, Kerry also makes a really good point that that he could have still pivoted on the issue of abortion and made it an economic issue. That's not a hard argument to make. People make it all the time. It's real. Are you worried about what you're hearing from the White House right now? Or are you just you think maybe they're just waiting for the official opinion before they, they really go hard? Well, I think there's a little of that. I will say this, um, you know, I thought that um, that the statement they made the day after um, the opinion came out, um, the efforts that they're trying, we know that this this will kick things to the states and it's tough for the for the administration to do too much. But but the fact that they're looking at ways they can do it and, you know, in another fit of interesting timing, we had our our annual conference um, and gala the day after this. And the vice president was scheduled to give welcoming remarks that instead she gave a bit of a, of a barn burner on on abortion rights. And so I believe that this is an administration. And I think, listen, um, you know, Carrie, I think it was you or someone gave gave Democrats to see and I you know we'll we'll take our we'll take our grades um, and and work continue to work harder but I will say this I think we should never discount the fact that this is the first administration since it's been a thing to put out a, a, a budget without the Hyde amendment in it you know we have made progress and it's disappointing that you know that that we don't you know it's that we're gonna have a vote that probably won't go our way in the Senate but um we have, you know, we have passed the the Women's Health Protection Act in the House. I think 
let's let's flip one more seat. I think, you know, hopefully we, we're going to, you know, continue to grow that majority in the Senate and we're going to keep working at it. But I do believe that we have allies in the White House and I do believe that they are looking at ways to do this. And I and I think that you will I think you will hear it from them. I think today they were offering a different message and having having worked in a in a Democratic White House. I know sometimes when you work really hard to get to your message, you want to stay on it. So um, so I, I I feel for I feel for them on that, but I but I do think that you're going to hear it. I think we did hear it last week. I encourage anybody to go back and look at the vice president's speech. She was pretty fired up. I don't know about as fired up as Carrie was a minute ago, but uh, but she got she got close. But did she, she mention Ted Cruz? Did she did not? I did, she did not <laughs> mention Ted Cruz. But you know what? I think we were okay with that from our stage. So um, we'll, we'll, people are uh, eating, right? So that's yeah, right. Like, correct. Yeah, okay. gonna, yes, uh, but no, I think um, so. So I think. There's always room, you know, again, I'll, I'll quote my boss, LaFonza Butler, our president, who says, you know, we can all talk about this issue more, right? It is important. We can all do it. We can all stand to talk about it more. But I also do think we have allies there. And um, and I think we'll continue to hear it from them. Yeah. So just to be clear, I, I so my C grade was just <laughs> on the response since last week. Um, yeah. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a little harsh, uh, partly because you know what? I want, I want to see more, more, more. Sure. Um, I do think what I do think is, is that Joe Biden spent that speech saying, look, these guys are fringe. They want to sunset Medicare and they want to sunset Social Security and they want to raise taxes on 100 million working Americans. Right. And leave the and leave the rich people alone and make sure that they can just keep hoarding all the resources up. And I just thought it was a easy pivot for him to be able to say, you know, that one thing I'll say about abortion is Republicans have a fringe, uh, you know, are, are, are on the fringes of this issue, just like they're on the fringes of the economic plan going forward. It's all of a piece, right? And so like, I think he could have easily called their position fringe about not wanting people to have their own, make their own healthcare decisions, et cetera, a lot, and say it's just part of a whole piece about how fringe they are. Um, you know, like that, I think that is a message to Americans broadly is something that's, you know, tying it all up in a package. I, I think that's fair. I will confess that I, I did not get a chance to see the speech, but I, I will say I think you will hear that more and more. Um, and I think to my point about the whole the whole voter, th- they've got problems on all the you know on all the things we're concerned about, and they are to the you know they they do have extreme positions. They are too far to the right. They are overreaching on issues. And uh, again, I think we're gonna we're gonna spend some time and spend some resources on making sure people know it. So there, there's two sort of groups that we obsess about, Carrie and I, and Daily Coast in general. It's one, obviously, is the base, is motivating and getting out our base. But we also look at the only uh, persuadable demographic, seemingly right now, which is college-educated suburban white women. Do you have data information in, that would give us an idea how abortion rights plays with this suburban white college-educated demographic that is so critical to winning close elections? I won't shock you to know that like the majority of pretty much every group out there, they are um, they support this right. They believe that you should get to make the decisions on your own and that the government slash Ted Cruz should not (laughs) get to do it for you. And so I know. um, And 
this is the thing that, you know, it's an it's an interesting I've heard and you heard it in the question for Joe Biden. I think some uh, of the media is trying to uh, is is playing on the Republican turf, right? Buying into some of their misinformation and their the way they try and frame this issue. And the reality is that's not where we are. We are not talking about which degrees, which, you know, how much do you want to allow? They are trying to get rid of all of it. They are trying to ensure that you can't decide full stop for yourself. And so, um, and yes, white, white suburban, um, you know, suburban, suburban women of of all races, um, uh, they are very supportive of this issue. And so, you know, the, the, the polling, the polling varies, but I will say what we see all, you know, across the board is a majority support our right to make this decision, a majority support row and, and decent, I'm not talking 52%, right? Like, you know, we're, we, we are usually in the 70, right? In the 70 range. And so, and that is very true of this group. This group is, is we hope the gettable group, right? You know, women, hopefully, hopefully women voters will save us all. So th- this is because, you know, in that draft opinion, Alito basically said, if women don't like it, they can turn out and vote for somebody who will change that. Damn right. We agree. (laughs) Yes, sir. We will do that. (laughs) Thank you for the invitation. We were coming anyway. Um, Or at least now, you know, now we will. So uh, yes, uh, agreed. Um, And I think, you know, we have seen a gender gap, obviously white women have, have let us down in a couple of the previous elections in some uh, in, in, you know, for with, with regard to Donald Trump and other things. But I think, I think we're going to see this being um, a, a, a motivating issue for women writ large. And I think we should not discount what turnout, you know, you mentioned base, right? Turnout is incredibly important. And I think looking at different groups, AAPI women, Latinas, black women and white women, they support this right. And we're going to make sure they know who who is ripping it away. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I so I, I first of all, the, the I, I, I searched because this seems like a classic wedge issues to me. Right. And boy, does the media love to talk about wedge issues when it's working about against Democrats. They, you know, ha- latched on to wedge issues forever during the LGBTQ, you know, quality fight. Right. They were talking. I mean, they've been talking about wedge issues against the Democrats for the 90s. So I, I searched the word word wedge a couple days ago just to see, like, if they were bringing it up in this context, because it's a classic wedge issue that could literally wedge some conservative leaning women away from um could for a cycle, you know, or more, frankly. Um, and and the only, the only headline that I saw that had wedge issue was written by, I think, the like a former Trump spokesperson mm-hmm. talking about, and it was using wedge the other way. And I was yeah. like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the best that we can do. But, um, yeah. Yeah. but you know, the, the media is working with this this environment of polling that is like, you know, is so far off the map now because they keep talking about, well, you know, Democrats and uh, pro-choicers, pro-choice voters, they don't vote on this. They're not animated by it and whatever. And um, and I'm like, 
None of that matters. None of that polling was done in an atmosphere where we had just where where rights were literally being taken away. And that's what's happening here. Rights, a constitutional right is being taken away. Um, Can you talk a little bit about just that the difference and whether or not you're seeing any signs that there are um, that that the motivation here is different than what it might have been in, you know, past cycles as as uh, the media is 100 and I and I will say, you know, I worked for Hillary Clinton and I remember watching focus groups and we um, I would say we accurately predicted what Donald Trump would do. But if anything, we were we were probably modest in our expectations for him, but we would talk about, you know, he could appoint Supreme court justices. He can appoint, you know, all these things he will take away. He has mentioned as Republicans are trying to do now, criminalizing abortion and punishing women and punishing doctors, right? These are things that he, that, that we would talk about and they would say, yeah, but I just think, you know, we've got Roe, right? If they, if they mentioned that um, it was that that's there. And so, so we're safe or just, I just don't think it's that at risk. They, you know, for, for a right that had not been around that long, it was firmly entrenched in, in voters heads that like th- that, but we're fine because we have this. And, um, and so I do believe this is going to turn. I think again, we're only a week out. So we're not, I don't think we're at a point where we're seeing what it truly means. I am also as a political hack and I and I love research as opinion research is important and I love it and it's great. I think it's always hard when we say this is the thing that got voters out, right? Like there are many things that get voters, you know, and we need to we need to acknowledge that. But I think that um I will say I, I can't say which candidates, but we have had some candidates who happen to be, you know, doing focus groups or in the field um as this was happening and and boy, does it matter. We are hearing people fired up. And so um, I believe that we will continue to see in in groups and in, and in polling that we will see this issue continue to be an important issue, but also continue to be one that 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 is bad for Republicans and good for good for Democrats. And that makes people more likely to vote for us and to vote against them. And that's an important thing. I, I want to say, I mean, your point about the media, I, I think I, I like to say that I think some of the media came up when I did, when this was considered a third rail issue for for Democrats. And honestly, it's never actually been one, but Republicans got the high ground or, you know, whatever, whatever analogy you would use there and convinced everyone that they were on the side of voters Um and I think that for some of the media, they haven't changed. I have, I talked to one reporter this week who said, um, well, aren't you, aren't you worried about what this is going to do to Republican enthusiasm? And I said, no, I look only. They won. Right. Like they should be afraid, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're on the wrong side. And you can look at, it doesn't matter what poll Fox news, you know, we're, we're, we're winning. NBC news had a poll where they tested, um, they tested a variety of issues of what made you more likely to vote for a Democrat or vote for a Republican. And the news coming out of it, I think what defund was the number one, you know, and so that was the, the headline, but number three, 
in terms of what drove vote was, you know, would you prefer a candidate who supports, you know, protecting abortion rights or one who opposes them? And there was another one. And there were big gaps, like 30 point gaps here between do you support a can, you know, a candidate who will protect Roe v. Wade and one who wants to overturn it? And like the, the answers are, it's all there in the polling. So we have to make sure that these guys, I say guys is a gender neutral term, but a lot yeah. of them are, um, yeah. but um, that these Republicans um, that their record is clear, that voters understand how we've gotten here. Yes, this is the Supreme Court making the decision, but it has been a concerted and sustained effort, right? And um, and they're gonna they're gonna push it further. Mitch McConnell, who is a more careful politician than some, acknowledged it this week. So we're gonna um, we're gonna keep highlighting that because um, if if the media is still gonna think <laughs> it's a wedge issue, even if they may not use the word wedge, then <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, then we're going to remind them that it is just not the way you think it is. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, antidotes. And, and of course, antidotes aren't data. So I, I want to stress sure. that. But antidotes yes. of, of yes. candidates that have been you know, going door to door, knocking on doors and saying everybody wanted to talk about inflation. And then the last week, they've only wanted to talk about abortion. Like It seems that's sort of the topic du jour. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious do Republicans get any mileage out of saying, oh, we're just, we're just letting the states decide? I mean, I know, like you just said, Mitch McConnell has just sort of stepped on that messaging, you know, some fears by saying, you know what, maybe we'll want a federal law. But leading into this, that was sort of their messaging. This We don't want to ban it. We just want the states to decide. There's Do people that care. Is that a Senate Republicans. Senate Republicans are still trying to sell that. I mean, Ron Johnson saying, oh, I think we should let the states decide. You know, this is like nutty Ron Johnson, yep. who's like. Yep right winger uh, among right wingers and he's trying you know he's he's got like 35 percent approval rating in a state and he's like he's like oh i think we just want to let the states right, decide right. for now you know like he's trying to moderate so i mean senate republicans are still there mitch mcconnell just to be clear was forced into saying oh. a federal abortion ban would be possible but i i, I stand by uh marcos's question it, you know are they getting oh. is that I hear. Uh, well, this is part of why you're, we are, you know, going in with NARAL and Planned Parenthood um, on on a, a massive campaign because we're going to do our best not to let that happen. My my hope, and we will continue to ask the media to do this, is that these um, candidates get asked specific. You know, I, I've watched for years as Democrats have been asked about things that are not real. Right. That, you know, they've been asked about a rep and I'm not going to say it because I don't repeat the, you know, the the ridiculous made up frames, but they've been asked about things that Republicans, you know, try and ban that don't exist. Right. And I've watched that for years. And I certainly hope that Republicans will get pinned down on and I and I suspect you'll see it in debates. Right. But um, but certainly by the media on do you support what the Supreme Court is doing? And should this your state pass a ban? Okay, you want to turn it to states? You as a voter in your state, do you want them to pass a ban? Do you want a Texas-style ban where there's bounties put out on doctors and Uber drivers and so on? Do you, do you agree with Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves who said maybe we should think about contraception? I want them to answer all of that. And I will also say that most of them have taken votes, right? And so, again, the former researcher in me wants to believe that matters, and we will highlight those votes. But I, but I think... Um, we're going to try and make sure that they don't get away with that because it's not, this has been their plan all along. 
right? They knew it. They they were aiming for this and we're not going to let them get away with saying, oh no, now it's out of my hands. Marcos, do you want to, should we, do you think we should ask? I mean, do yeah. you have more questions? I just no, wondered so if we should, yeah. This is, this is, yeah. The end, actually we, we went a little over. So thank oh, you so I'm much Christine, for, for taking a little bit extra of your time. Uh, this is the, this is the point of the show where we, we ask our guests to let our audience know what they can do to help you do what you do so amazingly well. Can I, can I name more than one thing? Cause I oh, please. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Number one, I hope you will support Emily's list. Learn about us. Come support us. We can always use the help. Um, uh, Emily's list.org. Um, uh, number two, please find out about the elected officials in your area. And that means not just your Senator or your house member. That means all of those, the down ballot statewide, like attorney general, so important. Um, the state legislators, city council, in some cases, you've got cities trying to, you know, trying to ban abortion on their own, which God, God love them. Um, so please find out about that and please jump in and help where you can. You would be amazed at how much these candidates need the help, whether it's $5 here and there or, you know, making a, doing a call shift or things like that up and down the ballot. They all need the help. And we have got to replace these Republicans. It is, you know, it is it is our best way to fix the policy moving forward. And there are lots of, you know, efforts, please go out and support, you know, again, support the providers, support the, the funds. They are doing amazing work. Um, but I would, I would also say, please, you know, you have an audience that is online, right. And very vocal on social media, please correct the misinformation. Please make sure that we are lifting up the positive. I think those of us on that, we get a lot of outrage. I share it. I am now outraged about Ted Cruz, which is not where I thought my day would end, but, um, I, we share it. Let's make sure we're not sharing disinformation and misinformation. Let's make sure we are, you know, like offering up good facts and good candidates and good actions when we can. Um, because, you know, what we know is for a lot of candidates, in particular women and in particular women of color, they get faced with an onslaught of abuse and disinformation. And what they need is someone to say, hey, you did a good thing here. Thank you for this statement. Thank you for this. So I would say all of the above. Love, right, the support matters too. We have our outrage, and we should share our outrage. Rage. Let's not let's not repeat the the BS. I won't swear here. I'll, I'll stay. Um, I'll stay PG for you. You can guys. swear. You can All right. Swear. Well, let's not repeat the bullshit, right? Yes. But let's um, let's let's call it out and let's call out the positive as well. And so any and all of those things are incredibly helpful. And and call out the media if they get it wrong, because sometimes they are going to get it wrong on this issue. And we know where voters stand. And so help us uh, give them a little pressure to help. Ah, that was awesome. That was an amazing list of things to do. And I, I would add that if you live somewhere near a battleground, if you're in Chicago, you can just hop on over the border into Wisconsin. Okay. If you're in New Jersey, right. New York, you can go to Pennsylvania. If you're in Florida, Georgia, stay home and work hard. <laughs> but, but if you're in Alabama, not a lot <laughs> may be happening locally. You can cross the border. So there's always somebody that needs help Correct. and would appreciate whatever uh, you're able to offer. So uh, this is an existential fight for a lot of things. Yes. For our very democracy. Now, you know, we've been yes. saying our democracy is at stake and now, you know, our rights are also at stake. And, and I do want to add one little thing because Carrie and I, we've been talking about November elections and the conventional wisdom about how the democratic basis is um, 
not as motivated. And we kept bringing up the Supreme Court and, and Roe. And it we didn't see it in a broader media, right? Carrie, like it was nope. apparently it's a bunch of male analysts, right? Who just couldn't fathom <laughs> that, that this bombshell was coming. Right. And I think everybody's been disabused of that notion finally, right? Just yes. the reality of this last week. So this is, this is a real right that's at stake. And so it's very important for all of us to do everything possible and, and definitely support Emily's list and they're all in Planned Parenthood for the great work that they're doing as well as your local providers. Uh, it's, it's incredibly important. And uh, so Christina, thank you so much Thanks for, for joining having me. Christina Reynolds, she is the ex- uh, Vice President of Communications at Emily's List. Thank, Thank you. you so much. So, Carrie, we yeah. have a couple minutes if, if you want to if you want to um, sort of sum up some because I you, you're like sure. you're like vibrating. I'm like bur- bursting with stuff. You are <laughs> vibrating with like all this energy. Like, why could the election be next week? Right. <laughs> Well, just let me put a finer point on some of the anecdotal information. Both of you talked about how um, people are, you know, the the questions at the during door knocking is changing and whatever. And I have a very specific example of that because your friend and my friend Joe Sudbay was interviewing people on Sirius XM Progress, and um, and he talked to a state senator from Washington. I think Senator Randall, and I I can't remember her first name, but in any case, she is in a district that's a swing district that she won in twenty eighteen by some one hundred votes. Right, so it's a legit swing district that she barely won in a very good year for Democrats, and she had been knocking doors since mid March. And said, basically, all the questions she was getting were pocketbook issues, right? And then the decision came down, and basically every door she knocked on for for the past week was all row. It was all row. And the people were even making the connections and saying things like, I'm concerned about our democracy and whatever. So, like, that is... That's not polling. That's not quantitative data. But it certainly is qualitative data of, like a shift in people's focus uh, based on that leak. And that's just within the first week, right? I, I think that w- once we see a lot more stories about this, once the actual opinion drops, once the Republican state legislatures in these, you know, really red states start doing just draconian things. Like, I, I think that this people are going to start wrapping their minds around what this means for generations to come. So that's one thing. Also, I gave I gave Washington Democrats a C and I keep on going back to this because because uh, Christina mentioned it. And I was like, fair. I was like, you know, whatever. I want more from Washington Democrats. But um, but let me just say swing state Democrats have been all over this. I mean, you know, if you look at Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, um, she immediately said, I'm going to fight like hell on this. I'm going to the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court. I'm going to ask them to make an immediate ruling on whether our state constitution uh, protects a woman's right to abortion, uh, because there's a law in the books there dating back to the you know early 1900s um, that's left over, that's a remnant, uh, but that would be a total abortion ban. You look at Stacey Abrams in, uh, in Georgia. She paused immediately her fundraising for her campaign, and that's no small thing. 
something. She's a fundraising machine. And she said, we're going to divert our resources, our fundraising resources to the abortion groups, the people who are working to protect the right to choose in our state. Um, You know, I heard uh, Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania. He's the Democratic uh, AG there, but running for governor. He said, I just want to say that um, I heard him interviewed and he said, Republicans are just wildly out of touch with uh, the electric here, ele- electorate here on this uh, on this issue, and I don't hesitate to talk to any voter in any county about this issue because they are because Republicans are so fringe and off the mark on it. So I'm paraphrasing there a little bit, but that's very close to what he was <clears> saying. <throat> so so swing state, you know, e- even Tim Ryan in Ohio, you know, uh, um, he put out this ad saying. Uh, that he was going to, you know, that he wasn't going to go all in on culture war issues, that he was going to, you know, he was fighting for Ohioans and that was what he was going to focus on. And then this decision dropped and he was like, you know what? I'm pro, I'm pro choice on this. And all the other guys I'm running against are just completely fringe pro-lifers. So, you know, like the swing state Democrats are all in and they have been super aggressive. Yeah. This is, we're going to be talking about this a lot over the next couple of months. Uh, it's, it's hard. <laughs> to, I have to keep reminding myself. It's only been eight days. And, and so this is going to reshape the electorate in ways that we really don't know. And it's too early to pull. I mean, you know, we have our own polling firm. It's too early. People are still processing. They're still hearing about it. So it's still too early. So there's, there's a lot to be discovered and, and said about this issue. And we are going to be tracking it very closely. I do believe very strongly that, that it does change the vibe the the feeling of being in the minority which is energizing to a party out of power or a, 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 yeah the party out of power always has more energy i'm starting to get a sense of that and the complacency of victory on the republican side they got what they want what else is there they won congratulations so that's our show for today thank you carrie as always thanks to christina reynolds she is the vp of communications at emily's list they're doing great work emily's list org. They're also working with Nero Pro-Choice, America, and Planned Parenthood Action Fund to pump $150 million to center abortion rights into November's election, which I think is a, a fantastic effort. I'm really hoping it's supercharged, that $150 million was, was a conservative estimate given the energy around the issue. I want to thank everybody that makes this show possible, Walter, Kara, Dorothy, Paul, and Carolyn. I'd like to really, really, really thank you, the listener and the viewer and the reader, because we also transcribe um, the podcast. Thank you for being part of this effort to protect our democracy and save our rights. Uh, this is, unfortunately, the most important election of our lifetime. You know, it's not hyperbole. It, it, it seems to compound every time. You thought it was important last week. Oh, boy, let me tell you about this week. So we need all of you doing everything you can to fight for our country. And so I'm glad to have you guys as fellow travelers in this fight for our democracy. So thank you very much. Catch you all next week. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, give us a rating wherever you get your podcast. You can always talk to us at dailycoast.com or on Twitter at Daily Coast. See you next week.